0: And welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in at WYAD, 94.1 FM, and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also, tuning in to our online affiliates around the world, we're glad that you all could be with us as well. One of the things we've tried to do over the past 20 years here on Conversations Live is to make sure that everyone knows that their voice matters, that they matter, and that what they have to say about their own story matters. Our next guest has been able to be able to chronicle this in an interesting way, especially when it comes to the juvenile justice system. We're excited to welcome Jeff Hobbs to our program today. He is celebrating his brand-new book. It's called Children of the State, Stories of Survival and Hope Through the Juvenile Justice System. We'll talk to Jeff not only about the, the work it took to be able to write this book, but also the research he's able to share, the stories he's able to share, and what he hopes all of us are able to learn from these children that we can then be able to remember about our own lives as well. Jeff, thank you again for the time today. really appreciate it.
1: Hey, thank you, Cyrus. I'm really grateful to, to be with
0: you. Well, the pleasure is definitely all mine, Jeff, and this book resonated with me on a lot of different levels, mainly because I-, I love the fact that you're able to put names and stories to the numbers that sometimes we hear. Because I think sometimes we hear these numbers about children that are part of the juvenile justice system and-, and all these things that may have happened. We don't think about the lives attached to that. So what has that been like for you, Jeff, to be able to give us the gift of getting to know them as individuals outside of the numbers that we hear?
1: Oh, that's a really important point, and I would add to that point. Um, when you're talking about numbers, I think um, one thing that sticks people that sticks with people is they hear that the numbers in the juvenile justice system have been going down um, since sort of the tough on crime 1990s, and that's true. But it uh, uh, you have to still remember that there's a quarter of a million kids a year in America who get locked up even if it's just for one afternoon um that that is life-changing um and uh and so it it was really powerful for me to uh um be able to uh be in these different facilities um, with these kids who have such a stigma attached for them like you drive by a juvenile hall um, anywhere in America and it's easy to think well that's where the bad kids are and I'm just going to keep driving and they're being taken care of um, so uh, as you say it was powerful just to be in classrooms with them and play board games with with unique kids and uh, be with their teachers and their counselors and their guards and just uh, um, joke and and laugh and and feel all the sadness, too, um, yeah, it's it, uh, certainly going to stay with me. And,
0: yeah. And, and I think, too, the other side of it is, too, Jeff, that you're able to gain the trust. And I think the trust is an important thing, not an easy thing. Talk to us about that. What was that like for you to be given that opportunity for them to be able to feel comfortable opening up and then, of course, sharing these stories?
1: Oh, um, thanks for asking about that trust. Obviously, in the work I do that that involves uh, uh, maybe telling the stories of people who who don't just don't have the the time usually to tell their own stories. It, it it starts with trust, and trust really comes with a lot of time and a lot of care. And it was funny. My daughter at one point she was maybe ten years old, and she knew I was you know leaving every day and and uh and spending all my time and you know what she thought of as jail for kids and there's a little more to it than that obviously but she asked me like dad do these kids like you and uh i had to think about that for a second um and the truth was when i first started showing up and i obviously got access from from the overseers um Kids did not like me hanging around just another white guy in a button-down sort of watching them in the backs of their classrooms. Um, Nobody really likes to be watched because it feels like being judged. Um, But as as I spent time and maybe engaged with classes, and really at the end of each day, most facilities have kind of like, it's not a rec period, it's just kind of a catch-up work period, kind of like a study hall. Um, And that's when I, I would get to sit with kids and and play the games and talk about writing books, which, you know, they didn't necessarily think was a big deal or important, but but just get to sit and talk and mainly listen. And, um, you know, still there were kids who didn't want much to do with me, but there were a lot of kids who uh, um, probably were not accustomed to having anybody listen to them, just sit and listen to their stories without... You know, trying to solve anything or without expectation, and uh, I think that's where the the trust comes from.
0: And and you talk about in the book and sharing these different experiences, and we meet individuals like Constance and Megan, and thinking about again getting to know them as individuals, right? Again, outside of of their situations. You also talk about things, especially because of the time period that you wrote this in, Jeff. You know, communication of the isolation that even came, of course, with COVID and how COVID disrupted things. Talk to us about how this all started and what it was like for you by the end to be able to look back at this body of work and these stories and what you hope people kind of took away from it. How did it all begin for you?
1: Oh, I mean, it began actually with a, a prior book I had written, which was a very personal book about a, one of my best friends who uh, from college who was killed. That book is called The Short and Tragic Life of Robert Peace, Um, and I, a lot of, at the time, some years ago, a lot of teachers were just reaching out and, you know, seeing if I could visit their class and talk about this book. And, um, and actually a lot of juvenile hall teachers were asking me and I would just try to get there. Um, that's how I met Megan and Constance who are both English teachers at the juvenile justice center in San Francisco. Um, and I was just finding that, uh, the most profound conversations I was having were happening in juvenile halls. And I mean, I would see kids fight and kids argue and all of that, but I I would also see kids just engaged and connecting with each other and and sharing their own stories and and aspiring for some kind of life after this sentence that they'd been given Um, often, um, often for crimes that didn't really merit being locked up for. Um, so that, that's where it started. Just the contrast between what you think a juvenile hall is and what the stories that are actually unfolding. Um, and, um, Beverly stayed with, as I met, you know, Josiah, whose story I told, who's a kid who, who through his time in juvenile hall, actually had the opportunity to graduate high school and even go to college. And, um, um, Ian, who, uh, uh, went to this intensive life skills program after juvenile hall um, and was trying to make his way. Um, and what what has stayed with me is just how absolutely hard it is for any of these kids once they've been locked up and, and once they get that stigma put on them, again, often for, for crimes that don't necessarily merit it, um, mainly the crime of... Being poor and not having representation, um, mm. just how absolutely hard it is to to get on with life at such a young age,
0: Jeff. The other thing is the subtitle of the book, and that is Stories of Survival and Hope. Let's talk about the hope because this is work that you've devoted yourself to. I know as a journalist. You know, a a lot of it, you know, is is trying to report, you know, what you've been able to experience. But it's very hard, I know, even as a reader, to be able to read this book and not feel a connection. But what is it that keeps you hopeful? Is it individuals like Constance and Megan and the work that they're doing? Is it individuals like those you saw who were not defined by, you know, those experiences? What is it that keeps you hopeful?
1: Oh, um, that's important, and it's interesting. A A lot of people have asked me about this word hope being in the title of the book because not, not all the stories in the book do. end hopefully, um, right. and not all the perspectives in the book are very hopeful because th- this is a hard world and it's a sad world. And, uh, I've already said it, it's just hard for these young people and their teachers. But I think of hope, not necessarily like the American version of hope where everybody goes to college and, uh, you know, rides into the sunset. I think of hope in this context more as an orientation of the spirit whereby um, you're in this dark passage, these young people who've uh, across the board had hard lives that started, the hardship started way before they were, um, went before a judge. Um, But their ability to still in this passage support each other and find ways to make each other laugh and perform Shakespeare skits and play basketball and read books and meditate and cry together. And um, um, that just beauty of being a person and being strong, that's, that's where the hope is for me.
0: And for yourself then, Jeff, um, when you came to the end of this particular story, of course the work we know continues, but when you finished Children of the State, what was your hope then for us as the reader? What did you hope that we took away from it and remembered about these individuals that you chronicle, but also just those that we may find out about in our own area?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, on on ground level, uh, just, just to, as you go about your day, just Realize that there is value in those buildings and um, these sentences that are given to children can really be life ending. They can be, they are, um, but not if people care. So whether it's, you know, visiting, like going to a juvenile hall and talking about whatever your job is or or running an activity um, they love for people to visit. Uh, whether it's maybe giving an internship to a kid who has a record. Um, it, it's hard to do. There's challenges that come with that. Um I, I don't mean to make it all sound kumbaya like it's hard. These relationships are hard, but uh um I, I think that's, you know, on ground level what what I hope people will take away just to uh just to see that there's a whole world there and uh, and a whole group of kids who uh um, you know, still have value.
0: Does it give you continued hope, Jeff, that there are people who who are listening to you, who are wanting to know about the, the experiences of those in the juvenile justice system, that want to know what it's really like and want to know what they can do to help? Does that also give you hope?
1: Uh, yeah, of, co- of course it does. and I mean, that's really, that's what the whole work is about. Um, these years that that uh that the teachers do, and that you know I do on some lesser level and that all these kids do um, um, yeah that that that's the hope for sure, just that uh uh to undermine presumptions and just make people feel' because if you feel more then maybe you uh care more and then you want to know more and and do more.
0: Well, it's a powerful book and an important conversation, Jeff. I'm so glad we have you here to to be able to discuss it. Again, everyone, Jeff Hobbs has been our guest. The book is Children of the State, Stories of Survival and Hope in the Juvenile Justice System. It is available through our friends at Amazon.com and through your favorite local bookstore. If they don't have it, I know they'd be more than happy to order it for you. And, Jeff, what about yourself? How can our audience stay connected with you?
1: Um, sure. There's a website called JeffHobbsAuthor.com, um, and that, that has... A- just the books on it, and uh, um, other social media. It's my my pretty low-key little website. Um, thank <laughs> you, Cyrus.
0: Well, th- thank you, Jeff, for the time. Thank you for writing this book and and keeping these conversations going. They definitely are important. And I'm looking forward to speaking with you again.
1: Um, I, uh, speaking of hope, I, I hope we do get to speak again. It means a lot.
0: Well, look, love that, love that. We'll definitely make sure to stay connected with you, Jeff. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. There's more Conversations Live coming up at the bottom of the hour, so make sure you guys stay tuned for that. For those who may have came in late and missed part of our conversation with Jeff, don't worry, it is podcasted through our friends at Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. You all can be able to catch the replay there. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webbing. saying, as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Now let's go make today amazing. Take care.